Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Well, good morning, Crossview. Welcome to Church Online. This morning, we're going to do something a little bit different than we've done these past couple of weeks. We are going to end our time uh, together this morning with a time of worship. Uh, we'd like, we like just to try things new and to try things out, but we actually think that today, after the message, a great, a great way to respond to what uh, God is doing is to spend time after our message in worship. So I just want to encourage you just to prepare your hearts, open yourself to God in these moments, and we'll spend some time to worship after the message. You know, last Sunday we started a new series called Life After Easter, where we were taking a look uh, at what life was like for the disciples following the death and the resurrection of Jesus. We are asking, how did they live as resurrection people, and how can we do the same today, even in these unique circumstances that we find ourselves in? Last week, we looked at how the disciples constantly faced uncertainty in their life, and yet, in the face of that uncertainty, they were bold, courageous, and even fearless. We said that uncertainty in life is unavoidable, but that with Christ, fear is optional. And this week, I want to look at what gave the disciples the boldness and the courage that we saw in Acts chapter 4 and 5. Those are the verses that we looked at last week. Maybe in these days, uh, in quarantine, uh, you, you've thought to yourself, I just don't feel like I can be bold or I can be courageous or even fearless. Maybe you're worried about any number of things, and I think we're all wondering, when will this pandemic be over? Uh, when will it subside, and when can life return to normal to some degree? But we want to ask, what was, it like, what was it that gave the disciples their purpose and their power, their energy, their drive, and their courage? And I think a good follow-up question to that is, where can I get some of that? So in order to answer those questions, I'd like to rewind the story of the disciples just a little bit. I'd like to rewind the story to right after Jesus' death and resurrection. So we're going to go from Acts chapter 4 and 5 backwards just a bit to Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 3 through 5, and then we're going to skip a few verses and look at verses 8 through 9. So let's jump into the scripture and let's see what it says. Acts chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. During the 40 days after he, Jesus, suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. Then he pro proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now skipping a few verses to verses 8 and 9, Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. So think back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus stands in a synagogue and reads from Isaiah 61. And he reads, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. 
Jesus' ministry begins with the gift of the Spirit for the sake of the church and for the sake of the world. Likewise, as we look at the story that is commonly known as the birth of the church, it starts with the giving of and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. The church's ministry, your ministry, and my ministry begins with the gift of God's Spirit. You know, after Jesus' death and resurrection, Scripture tells us that Jesus appeared to his disciples and to the others about, for about 40 days after his resurrection. Well, about 50 days after the Passover festival, and remember the Passover festival was happening when Jesus was crucified, there was another festival, and this festival was called the Festival of Weeks. Now, that name isn't, as much, isn't so important for us, but what, it, what the festival was celebrating is, it was a festival of thanksgiving. We find it in Exodus 34, Leviticus 23, Deuteronomy 16. It was a day for recalling the powerful, gracious, life-giving presence of God throughout Israel's history, particularly in the desert. And it's during this time that we read in Acts 1 and 2, and we find the disciples doing what Jesus had asked them to do, gathered all together in one place. Those first followers of Jesus have no clue what is about to happen among them. All they know is that Jesus said that they will receive power, that they're going to carry his message, and they'll testify him about him in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. But like many things that Jesus said, and the, his promise of the Holy Spirit is just a, a little bit short on specific details, Jesus' meaning wasn't always clear to the disciples. How were they supposed to communicate to the ends of the earth? Easy communication was not exactly the way of the first century world. We find it difficult today to connect online all in one place, right? There's no email back then, Facebook, no Zoom meetings, no text messages or cell phones. All the disciples know is that they're going to receive power, but they don't know exactly what that's going to look like. So remember, the disciples have seen Jesus' body hanging on a cross, on a Roman cross. That's certainly a deterrent to boldness and courage. Plus, they're still adjusting to the idea that Jesus had been raised from the dead, and they're not entirely certain what this resurrection means or how it's going to impact their lives. How in the world is this small band of people with so few resources and lacking anything like a strategic plan supposed to testify about Jesus to the ends of the earth, especially in a culture that continually is hostile to their message? How? And this is so encouraging for you and for me today. By the power of God's Spirit. This is what gives them their boldness and their courage. It's, 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 incredi it's an incredible gift that not only the disciples get, but you and I get today too. Look at Acts 2, 1 through 4. This is such an important passage for us as followers of Jesus. It says this, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. This passage says that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love this word. In its original language, the word filled means 
uh, that uh, they were completely filled up, that they were generously supplied with God's Spirit. There's also this connotation of this idea of soaking in it, being completely satisfied by this gift of the Spirit that God gives. Isn't that incredible? Wow! No wonder the disciples were, disciples were filled with boldness and courage in a frightful and uncertain time. You know, you can't get too far into reading the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts or even the other epistles, without realizing that God's Spirit is at work all over the place. We also recognize as we read the scriptures that part of the whole point of Christianity is that the Spirit both calls people to be Jesus' followers and then energizes them to be shaped by Jesus as they are following him. One thing that we can be sure of is that the Spirit of God is at work all over the place in our day too. Maybe he's even speaking to you, moving in you, moving through you in these times. You know, the way that the New Testament talks about this goes right to the very start of the Old Testament. With the story of creation itself, when the Spirit of God or the wind of God, it's the same word, is moving over the face of the waters so that the Spirit is active in creation itself. That same Spirit of God that initiated the created order is at work here in the disciple with the disciples in the book of Acts and now with you and me. That's so encouraging. What we see with the disciples and following Pentecost is that the Spirit of God is alive in all kinds of spheres of life particularly to call and commission special people like prophets and kings for special tasks. We find that in the Old Testament. But then God does something incredible. He promises his spirit to more than just these special commissions. Look at what Peter says just a few verses later in Acts 2, 17 through 18. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Isn't that an incredible passage? In the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all people, on all flesh, it says in one version. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter in his sermon says that's precisely what's happening right now. It isn't just one or two individuals among God's people that are given this wonderful gift. It's all those who are called by God and who are caught up in this new movement to follow Jesus by faith. His people who are called by his name are given the presence of the very Spirit of God. They, they and we are inhabited and, and, and animated by his breath, his Spirit. This is such wonderful news for the disciples and for us today. Let me ask you this question. Do you feel like you need to be energized by God's Spirit in these days? Is quarantine getting to you? Are you, are you feeling down or stuck? then hear these words as an encouragement to your heart, from God to you. The same Spirit of God that hovered over the waters in creation, the same Spirit of God that descended on the first believers on the day of Pentecost, the same Spirit of God that gave boldness and courage to countless prophets and teachers and followers of Jesus can energize you 
For you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. That is for you today as well. This is why we are different than the world around us. We are filled by the hope of something new. We are part of the work of recreation, of the renewing of, the con- renewing of that connection of all things with God. This, this enlivening and energizing and fulfilling spirit of God connection gives us a new perspective about our role in this world, on this earth. Think of it this way. In the first chapter of Acts, heaven and earth have joined together by the person of Jesus who goes from earth to heaven. Then in the second chapter of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes from heaven to earth. Now the two spheres of God's creation are joined together. So it's not a surprise that throughout the book of Acts and the letters of Paul especially, the followers of Jesus and the church are seen as what is called the new temple or the place where God's spirit resides. That's us. That's you. Therefore, God's spirit dwells within the church, unified by his spirit, but also, Paul writes, and he can say this, of the individual, that God's spirit dwells within each of us and within you personally. So you too are a new temple through faith, a new space for the presence of God through faith in Jesus. This temple theme was one that the ancient Jewish people were very familiar with. So it's a good metaphor for Paul to use. And it's really amazing for us to understand as well that we now are the, the, the presence of God walking around on this earth. So be bold and be courageous. So just as a recap, this week and last week, we see the disciples and the first followers of Jesus act with courage and boldness. We can see that they are enlivened by the Spirit of God so that they can continue Jesus' work in a very difficult time to be alive. Jesus tells his disciples uh, and, and, and lives as an example for them and for us of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Jesus himself received the Spirit in full measure in the Jordan and then gives that Spirit in full measure to all of his followers so that they and we can be imitators of him, followers of him, and representatives of him doing his work in this world. What is Jesus calling you to do today? How are you teaching your children and your grandchildren to seek Jesus, to be filled with the Spirit in these days where we have to be quarantined? There's lots of people who need help, and maybe God is speaking something specifically to you. There's been a lot of amazing things happening. And John the Apostle writes at one point, referring back to this great prophecy at the end of the book of Ezekiel. We find it in John 7, 37 through 39. Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. John was talking about the Spirit which was given when Jesus was glorified. In other words, when Jesus was lifted up on the cross so that his glory and love was visible for all to see, then because the powers of evil were defeated by that action, the Spirit could now come not only to inhabit people, but to flow through them and out into the world. Therefore, we see the Spirit commissioned in the disciples to the work in them and through them. 
Therefore, as followers of Jesus filled with his spirit, we too are commissioned to do in the wider world what Jesus was doing in his world. In other words, the Holy Spirit enables the church to be for the world what Jesus was for Israel. But you will receive power, it says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me, Jesus says, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching him, and they could no longer see him. Pentecost is not only a celebration of the birth of the church, it's also a celebration of the sure promise that wherever the fire burns, wherever the wind blows, wherever hardship and life intersect, the Spirit of God is there blowing where it will and giving God's people uh, into the heart, of driving God's people into the heart of God's action in the world. Where do we see God at work in our midst? What has God been doing in our churches, especially and even online in these days? What has God been doing in our homes and in our communities, our everyday lives, and even in the places that we don't expect? What might it look like for us to trust that the the blowing, swirling, burning, life-giving power of the Spirit is present among us, dancing upon our heads and stirring up a new thing in our midst? See, Pentecost shouldn't only be about a past event. This story is not meant to be nostalgic commemoration only. This story can be for us the means by which we anticipate and make sense of God's current and ongoing activity in our lives and in the world. It should help us reflect on where and how God's Spirit is filling us up, helping us to be bold and courageous in our faith, helping us to be creative and think of new ways to connect people with God. God is about bringing new things to life, even in these days. And the truth of the gospel is that when we cannot go any further, when we come to the end of who we are and what we can do, that's not the end of the story. God does something shocking and empowers us to continue on and to joyfully be carriers of the message of Jesus. So that's my question. That's our time of reflection. As we enter into a time of worship, we'll just pray here in a moment. But how is God, through his enlivening uh, and empowering spirit, working through you in your heart in these days in your home? How are you taking advantage of this time to enter more deeply into a, a relationship with God? How are you teaching your children to seek God in this time, your grandchildren? How are we reaching out to care for those around us? Be bold and be courageous because we have been given the gift of the very spirit of God. And he now has tasked us with being his representatives in the world. He'll help us along the way. But what is it that we can do? Crossview Church, I want to just call us to this enlivened action. Let's not, let's, not, uh, let's not step back. Let's step forward into this new season and what God has, us, has for us. Can we do that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we just give you our hearts right now. We are so thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We know that you, you have given that to us. We remember uh, that time that we read in the book of Acts where your spirit is uh, given to the disciples and thousands come to faith in that moment. God, we just pray that you enliven us with the power of your spirit. Give us creativity for these days. Give us encouragement. 
connect us in ways that, that we can right now, whether that's online, through phone calls, through text messages, but unite us through your spirit and call us to the action that you have us uh, to do. There is hope through the power of your spirit. We give you all the praise. In your name we pray, amen. Let's worship together with all our hearts.